calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. everybody and welcome to a brand new spoiler review episode for loki season two here from the geek buddies <gasps> hey! Hey! we've all fallen through our time doors and we are here ready to jump into episode two here called breaking bad or shall i say breaking brad see what i did there we're going to talk about everything that happened in this episode. Break it on down. I thought you'd appreciate that one, Sharon. And get, get into all the story beats, the character stuff that was going on here, some of the Easter eggs, and also what this is all leading to here as we go into season two. And this is a fascinating time right now, gentlemen, because of all the news with Marvel TV and them making their decisions that they've been making about it. And here comes Loki season two, looking like exactly what they were talking about serialized television, multi season television. Uh, storylines that are carrying over from the first season into the second season. So there is a lot to dive into here in this episode. But first, let's introduce ourselves. I am the outlaw John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on The Geek Buddies. I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor. And, you know, last week I had my Ferris Bueller day off. I'm feeling great. I'm feeling recharged. <laughs> I went on Rise of the Resistance. I gallivanted around <laughs> Disney. You guys, it was great. Just great. <laughs> of course, Shannon shoving the knife in a little bit after some of the uh, crap he was given to by somebody on this uh, panel. I'm not going to name any names for missing the show last week. For sure. I listen. Uh, I listen to the show. <laughs> for sure. All right. Well, see, episode two here, as I said, Breaking Bad. This one directed by Dana DeLu and written by Eric Martin. Eric Martin. Has been, in my opinion, because I've seen the first four episodes, but the, I just really like his writing. I think he's really kind of taken this show 
to the next level in terms of the relationships and the emotions going on between these characters, but also the music I thought in this episode was fantastic. So we got, we're following the process here of trying to get to Sylvie, Loki and Mobius, B-15, torturing uh, X-5, torturing Brad Wolf to try to get the information. On the other side, we've got Casey and OB trying to figure out what to do about these doors that won't open. Uh, so we got all of that kind of coursing through this, and we find Sylvie at the end at that McDonald's in Oklahoma in 1982 and all that happens from there. So, Michael, your thoughts overall on this particular episode, what'd you think? You know, halfway through the episode, I had this sort of epiphany. I, if you're a comic book reader, mm. as many of our fans are, mm -hmm. um, you have your comic, you're reading Marvel comic books for a while, and then, like, things get stale. Like, Avengers gets stupid, X-Men gets too complicated, like, you get tired of another Daredevil Electra story, and you're kind of like, you're reading comics, and you're reading comics, but you're kind of like, ah, maybe I'm going to stop reading comics for a while. Like, I'm not really, everything just kind of feels like, eh. And then, like, one comic comes along. And like a new creative team comes on, like Bendis mm. coming on to Daredevil or something like that. And all of a sudden, this one comic makes you go, holy fucking shit, this is why I like comic books in the first place. This is so fucking good. And it gets you back into everything. Loki season two is the MCU equivalent of that for me. Like, wow. as we have been going through and trudging along and, all right, well, let's talk about Moon Knight and... All right, here's Quantum Mania and Multiverse of Madness. Didn't really, okay. I mean, like, yeah, this was fine. And all of a sudden, Loki comes along, and I was watching it, and I was in the middle of watching it, and I was like, fuck, this is good. <laughs> like, this is great. It's got Easter eggs. It's tied into the bigger story that we're doing, but there's so much character stuff going on, and it's so interesting, and it's cool, and the way they're like, diving into character stuff while at the same time moving the story forward and miss minutes is the bad guy and we're talking about how good apple pies are in the 80s mcdonald's before they changed them it's like yeah. a little bit of everything i was very happy last night okay there you go shannon mcglung your thoughts episode two breaking bad what'd you think uh, you know, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I, I don't think I'm quite at the level where Vogel is, but I did really enjoy it. Um, Dan Delu, it's interesting because he's a visual effects guy. Mm -hmm. um, I, I did think some of the action was a little static. I thought some of the things could have been shot a little more exciting, especially that chase scene with okay. Brad at the beginning. Um, but in terms of the acting, they just have such a stellar cast. And it seems like this week they really kind of, put a pause on what is happening in the plot and let these terrific actors kind of just flex their muscles. Mm. Uh, had some really, really nice scene work. These are the type of scenes that, you know, being in like an acting class, like, God, I would love to do this Mobius Loki scene. I would love to do this Loki Brad scene. Um, just really, really enjoyable. I'm excited to see where we get. And that's the only thing that I'm not getting right now is yeah. where are we going? But the moment they walk out, that Loki and Mobius walk out, I'm kind of like, the, the procedural version of this show where Loki and Mobius are just running around in time, yeah. tracking down criminals. I'm like, I would be thrilled with this. I wish, I wish we would get this at some point because just watching Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson play off each other while trying to, you know, track down a bad guy is very, very enjoyable. Yeah, I would agree with you 100%. The chemistry here with all the actors has just been fantastic. And them realizing the two people we really need to get together as much as possible are Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson. Their chemistry is so great. Look, last season, there was a lot of Doctor Who kind of vibes to this one. 
And this season feels much more Doctor Who as well in that you've got the Doctor, who is essentially Loki, and you've got his companion, which is essentially Mobius, and their interactions as they encounter all the things that they're encountering, questioning each other in certain situations. One loses control, the other has to pull them back. So you're seeing all of that play out, and it's really fun to watch. Plus, I like that they, I like the set designs that they've done with everything. Like TVA is so distinct in how it looks. And then when we go to London, I love the look of London here in 1977. The 1982 McDonald's, Michael, you nailed it. I mean, this idea of who would have thought, oh my God, apple pies. That's right. For those of us who lived through the greatness of apple pies at McDonald's, it's remembering the flaky crust of that apple pie, you you understand, right? You cannot beat that that 80s McDonald's apple pie the one that was so hot that it scalded the roof of your mouth but god damn it was good (laughs) it was as soon as mobius ordered that apple pie he was like (laughs) like, literally it was like this was like a writer being like oh mobius is in the he's like is this the 80s oh yeah i'm getting the apple pie (laughs) let's do it not the cherry (laughs) pie it's the apple pie that's the one everyone ordered that one it's fantastic but also i love that we're bringing casey and ob kind of together here it makes us so much sense two tech nerds two tech guys Two, in, two distinctly different personalities, but they seem to work here. So maybe a mini version of Loki and Mobius on another section of the show. So I'm liking that we're getting that. And of course, uh, what B-15 is doing as well, which I imagine her role is going to grow here as the uh, show goes along. But all right, we're going to break this thing down here. We're going to go section by section, three sections of the show. Break it down. Have fun conversations about it. So strap in. Here we go. We open in 1977 in London in the UK. You know what else came out in 1977? Star Wars. Mobius got a hit on X5's Tempad. We're at a Zaniac movie premiere, and Brad Wolf is working that red carpet like nobody's business as the star of the Zaniac movie. Mobius, Loki, and B-15 end up confronting him, and he takes off. Loki catches him, but X5 uses his temp pad to zap into an alley where he's confronted by some British punk people. It's 1977. It would totally happen. Brad fights back, and we see that these are all Loki's illusions. Loki then replicates himself, and his shadows hold Brad against the wall with that really scary moment of seeing the the uh, crown grow in his head with the horns there. And we head back to the TVA B-15 questions. Brad on Sylvie's whereabouts. He is messed with the temp pad. Uh, and OB takes a look at it. He's working on a retrofit device to handle all the branches. He hands Mobius the TVA guidebook to decipher the temp pad. B-15 checks in with Casey. No hits on Sylvie's temp pad. Casey tells B-15, Mobius, and Loki that Miss Minutes is helping uh, Renslayer here in this situation. And Casey offers to figure out the temp pad because apparently he has memorized this TVA guidebook from backwards to uh, to forwards. And Loki tells them about the conversation he heard between Renslayer and he who remains. So let's stop there. Mikey, a lot here. We've got a premiere. we got a chase scene. we got a, a, a temp pad situation. Uh, and we've got conversations about Miss Minutes, as you said, being the villain. Yeah, so I mean, where... I disagree with Shannon a little bit that they took a pause on the story. Mm. Um, I do think the beginning was a little bit of like, okay, so wait, what are Loki and Mobius doing? Like, what do they need to do? What are the next steps here? But if anything, I think they almost like took so much story and burned through it. Like I assumed that we were going to have this mystery of like what docs and half and her top part of the TVA were doing for six episodes. Right. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Well, we cleared that up already. So we've already cleared the deck. Like if anything, it's like they're going so fast that we're just flying through things because, um, you know, Ouroboros working on the loom, Mm. Doc's running off with all her people, 
all of these things, a lot of it, if it didn't get resolved, it got pushed to the next level. Um, but as far as the whole London scene, you know, I mean, I think when we all saw the trailers and we saw the Zaniac thing, or oh, what does this mean? And what does this yeah. mean? The fact that like X5 is really the Earth 616's Brad Wolf and he got <laughs> pruned at some point and is coming back to like be like, no, this is my life. It was pretty cool. I want to, this is my life. I'm, I'm yeah. going to live my life. I think is just so great and interesting and made for such a fun opening. I mean, this was one of those openings where it was like, Look, they could have the the purpose of this opening is we needed to get X5 back to the TVA and right. find out where Sylvie was. Right. The dressing of, oh, what if X5 was Brad Wolf? What if we brought a Zaniac Easter egg into here? What if we like do this whole London chase scene at the beginning and do all this cool stuff was great. Yeah. And I do agree with Shannon like watching Mobius and Loki work together as a team to do anything is great. Mobius kind of Owen Wilsoning his way through everything. Oh yeah, you know, I'll take a whiskey, you'll get a drink. And then Loki being like, is he running yet? Oh yeah, he's running. No, we gotta go. Like just like the vibe, the chemistry between them is so good. Yeah. Um, the reveal when uh, when he gets into the alley and all those guys are kind of like, you know, giving him shit and the reveal that those are all of Loki's illusions. Like Loki for most of season one um, was robbed of his ability to yeah, right. be fully Loki. Right. So getting this moment in the second episode where we're like, oh, yeah, this is the guy from the movie. This is the guy from the phases of Marvel that I liked uh, doing what I liked him doing. Like, he, you know, you got his illusions. You got multiple Lokis. The whole thing with the shadows pulling him yeah. into the wall was great. Um, it was just high on style in all the right ways. Like, it was just a whole lot of fun. Meanwhile, back at the TVA, everything with Casey was cool. Like, the other thing that I think... Uh, I would give the show high marks on at this point is I get who Ouroboros is in one episode. Mm. They've given Casey in the past two episodes, they've jumped his character up, as you said, to a whole other level. Like, yeah. okay, Casey is a little socially awkward, but uh, he's almost as smart as Ouroboros, or Ouroboros is. He's the one who memorized the book. He gets how to do the things that need to get done on the tech side. Got it. B-15 is horrified that she has been basically killing people all this time and wants yeah. to set it right. Yeah. She feels really strongly about all of those people on those timelines. Now they shouldn't be pruned and she wants to do things differently. And she feels very, very strongly about it. So all of these characters that kind of rolled along in the background uh, in season one are really stepping up and getting fully fleshed out and fully formed. So I'm kind of like when, you know, when we cut away from Loki and Mobius, Mm. And we go to a B-15 and Casey scene or we go to an Ouroboros scene, like, I'm thrilled. Like, yeah. I think they're all super interesting and they all have such strong points of view. And you see how they're all going to play important roles in wherever it is that we're going. Yeah. Um, and that, yeah, I think, and again, this kind of, to Shannon's point about where are we going, again, it's almost like we have too many things. Like, they want to find Sylvie. Mm-hmm. Uh -huh and find out what happened after Loki got kicked out of uh, He Who Remains Castle. Yeah. But Renslayer's out there somewhere, and they're having trouble figuring out where she went. And they know Miss Minutes is kind of doing something. And meanwhile, Miss Minutes isn't doing anything around the TVA. And we have a giant loom that's getting stuffed with time stuff that's going to potentially blow everything up. So there's actually so – and Docs is over yeah. here doing whatever. Yeah. And then we got to figure out what X5 knows about Sylvie. So if anything, it's almost like there's too much story. And it's, it's like, okay, well, what am I focusing on? Because there's a lot of threads. Uh, it's, it's like the sacred timeline. It's kind mm -hmm. of like, okay, this is all interesting. But I have a feeling – 
it feels like they're putting all these pieces on the board and that they're going to land them well. That's my guess. Yeah, hopefully connect them as we go along. Shannon, your thoughts here on this opening on these opening scenes establishing uh, Brad Wolf here really powerfully, the great Raphael Casal, who I think does a wonderful job here. It made me want to go see Blind Spotting. I've not watched that movie, and so I want to see him in that movie. Um, what did you think about these opening scenes, the chase scene, as you mentioned earlier, and also where we end up? Uh, and uh, this idea that Miss Minutes is now helping Renslayer and He Who Remains. I mean, to start off, the score from Natalie Holt is just oh fantastic. Yeah. Um, the the groovy Loki theme that we get is they're kind of walking around the red carpet. I'm like, that's that's awesome. Like, that's just that's the type that's the type of theme I want to hear at Avengers Campus at Disneyland. <laughs> you know where I was last week. Um, oh just. <laughs> just just a lot of fun like like i i love a good recognizable theme and Lo- loki's theme is unmistakable um as soon as x5 gets out and we find out, okay he's brad wolf watching him work the red carpet talk to the reporter he's got that stupid scarf on he's got his stupid 70s hair like he's such an easy guy to hate <laughs> Like my note was literally Brad and his stupid hair. <laughs> um, watching the moment that uh, Mobius and Loki confront him and you see the, oh shit, I've been like, we can sort of figure out like, okay, this is, there's been, there's been a little bit of time between the first episode and the second episode. Um, like he's, yeah. he's gotten into a life. He's enjoying it. Um, I did think it was really funny. The whole thing of uh, uh, he's, hey, he's running now, isn't he? Like, yep, he's running. Like, again, that's something I think Dan DeLue being a newer director, I think that's something that could have been filmed. A, you could have maximized that for comedic effects, um, but we just didn't get it this time. Leading into the chase, I love when they lean into Loki's powers. Yeah. Um, which we don't get until until the end. Great, uh, great entrance by B-15, though. Like the moment that you hear, oh, Brad, Wolf, can I get your autograph? And you see her there and she, you know, she's able to, uh, to surprise him a little bit. The shadow effect was just chilling and eerie. Like it's so much fun. And then we see that we've got the three Lokis, and when Owen Wilson comes up and says, "Why didn't you think that was a? Didn't you think that was a little too much?" Um, like I, again, as I start to redirect things in my head, I'm like, "Oh, it should have been Loki. Loki should have been behind him. You should have come up behind Ooh. him and said, like, no, I thought it was perfect." Um, watching how they talk about how Brad Wolf is is just this asshole. <laughs> I mean, it's a character that I'm kind of like, I'm glad. I'm glad we're going to be seeing more and more of him yeah um going over to the uh to the casey side the way that they keep bringing up this guidebook i'm like i really hope this could just be a fun comedic runner Mm. or it could play into something further along the show i'm like i don't think it's an accident that they keep bringing up they keep bringing up this guidebook but yeah this was just a very this was a very very fun episode with some very fun good actors having fun yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you're right about the guidebook because, I mean, I don't think they would have made it in a bright orange cover unless they didn't want you to kind of be aware of this thing. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out down the road. But certainly, yeah, I thought it was a good beginning because right off the bat, and this is essentially Tom Hiddleston's audition to play James Bond. That's all I was seeing in this opening scene because even the way he walks down the alley after he first shoots Brad and says, you're still glad that we're here? You know, that kind of, it looked just like a Bond moment a little bit there. And I know he's not necessarily in consideration, but who knows? I think it was a smart move for their for them to play that angle just a little bit. But yeah, the, the whole chase scene here I thought was 
was a lot of fun. The punk rockers in the 1970s, that makes so much sense to have that be something that felt believable in the moment. And then you realize, oh, it's the illusions, which you, you kind of appreciate. But, you know, Cassell's back and forth playing this whole thing. Oh, hey, Loki. Hey, guys. Oh, yeah, let's hang out, blah, blah, blah. And then he rolls out. I think you might be right, Shannon. Maybe a, sh a shot where we see Cassell in the background, like taken off and everything like that. That would have been maybe a funnier shot to have in there. Um, but then when we get to the TVA, I like that we've got uh, more going on with Casey. I like that he feels like he's becoming a, a bigger part of the show because uh, Cordero is such a funny actor. And so to see him play this a little bit more and he's really like he's whispering to B-15, it's a secret mission, right? So just that kind of thing where he's he's socially awkward when he needs to be and he's intelligent when he needs to be. And I, I like it. It's a good mix here that makes you like the character. Uh, and then his connection with OB, which we'll see in a little bit. I, I really like that as well and, and what's going on there. But getting Miss Minutes now, uh, being pretty much put on the table here as a villainous piece of this, uh, we're going to get some more Tara Strong, I imagine, down the road here and see what her part is going to be all this. But I, I really enjoyed this opening. Got me right in the right frame of mind. And Cassell coming back here as well and uh, being um, uh, being uh, uh, interrogated, which we'll get to in just a second. But just his instant disdain for the situation, his instant smartassery when he's saying, oh, when Loki's trying to give him shit about, oh, the collar gets a little tight. He goes, oh, yeah, I'll make it looser for you next time. Yeah. So you see already this is a guy who's very indignant about everything and is not wowed by a god from Asgard. He's going to do his own thing, and I like that. So, um, all right, let's take a quick break, and we'll jump into the second, uh, the next section of the show here right after this. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. It is a good theme. Um, all right, here we go. B-15, Loki and Mobius interrogate Brad Wolf about the Tempad, the mission, and Sylvie Brad calls out B-15 and Loki for their perceived hypocrisy and perceived by him the hypocrisy because B-15 was the one talking about variants. Loki is the one who's done terrible shit throughout his life. He tells Loki that he and Sylvie have made everything worse and then brings up his mom. You don't bring up a man's mom. He brings up Frigga there. He tells Loki that he and Sylvie make everything worse. Stop trying to be a hero. You're a villain. You're good at it. Do that, which is an interesting line here. Loki threateningly walks up on Brad, and he still doesn't give in. Then Mobius offers him a deal, but Brad says just says that none of the TVA stuff is real, so none of this matters. Mobius does not concur and does not want to know what his previous life is. Why? What is this all about? And as Brad goes in on him harder, Mobius knocks him in the mouth. Then they're he's kind of uh, ushered out of there. 
Lokius, Loki and Mobius, uh, Lokius, that's actually not bad. Loki and Mobius talk about his reaction over Key Lime Pie after they have an exchange in the hallway there. Loki essentially chalks up what he did in the Avengers movie to just, you know, losing it. I just kind of lost it. So I get it for Mobius when you lose it here. And then Loki asks him why Mobius has never been curious about his past life. He doesn't want to know if it was a good life, says Mobius, because that would be too much to handle and have it rattling around in his brain. A lot of symbolism there. Mobius speculates that Brad found Sylvie, but then let her go. So OB, and then we go, we cut to OB walking out with his retrofit device to the platform here, hooks it up, but he sees that he doesn't have access. Then we go back to Brad's cell, and this is an insane scene. They bring in some archaic torture device. Loki locks out Mobius, and as Brad backtracks, when he when he turns on this uh, torture device, Loki tortures him into this like small box to get the info on Sylvie by squeezing him there, literally squeezing him. He gives up Sylvie. She's on a branch, and then Mobius comes in. This was all a ruse. They and we find out that he gave up on their mission. What was this mission? Then B B fifteen walks Casey onto the platform to meet Ob. Casey fanboys out on Ob, and we find out that the containment doors are locked, and they need he who remains temporal aura to open up the doors or miss minutes to override it so they're kind of in a shit situation shannon two torture scenes here two completely different scenes but then a conversation between loki and mobius about quote losing it your thoughts overall on these scenes here in this section of the of the episode well another thing that brad calls loki is he's just like you're a villain you know you're not a hero you're a villain and you lose you're the loser and that's what you're good at. <laughs> um, and that is not that different from what Mobius said to Loki in season one. Good point. He's yeah. like, this is this is what you do. I mean, this is you you are destined, you are destined to lose. Um, but I also just love the the dynamic between Loki and Mobius, where Mobius is very, oh, we just you know, we just gotta play it cool. We gotta play it cool. Um, and then to see Mobius. Brad touch a nerve with Mobius and Mobius yeah. is the one, the good guy, the cool guy is the one who, who loses it and pops, pops Brad in the chops. But then at the same time, I, I can't remember what he was calling him. He's like, you're a silly man. You're a silly man. Even, even in his bad copness, yeah. he's still funny. <laughs> um, I don't know what it is about, you know, that those 1950s display cases with pie on a piece yeah. of, on a saucer. That just this nicely sliced piece of pie. Like, I don't even like key lime pie, but looking at them eat that key lime pie, I'm like, man, that actually sounds really good right now. And I thought it was funny. And this is a silly detail that I noticed that Owen Wilson is eating that pie. Oh, <laughs> Tom yeah. Hiddleston is having oh. whipped cream. He's having a little bit of whipped cream. There was no green. There was no crust on Tom Hiddleston's fork. He's got to keep that live James Bond <laughs> yeah. form. Um, But this was a great this was just a great character building scene and how these two have developed this not just this partnership, but this friendship and Loki asking him like, why you're not curious, you know, you think it might be something bad and Owen Wilson, it's kind of heartbreaking. He's like bad I can take. He's like, what if it's something good? Like, what if it's something that I have missed out on on all these years like that? He's like that I can't handle. And I think that's a really interesting that's a really interesting um, look into Mobius's character um, where, you know, and eventually, of course, we are going to find out what he did. And it probably has something to do with jet skis. Um, The next interrogation scene. Frickin awesome. I mean, you get to see 
Loki was kind of all talk in the first scene, but then as he locks that door and you see him um, perfectly willing to crush Brad in that mechanism, I was like, this is the Loki I love. This is the Loki we don't get to see a lot anymore. Like this is the Loki from from phase one, a little bit of phase two, but that really villainous dude where it's like, I mean, Hiddleston plays that so, so well. Like there is, even though we've come to love Loki, there is just a, a, there is a sinister vibe when he really turns that on. And it's really, really satisfying. And then when you find out that this has all been, this has all been a ruse, um, again, very, very satisfying TV. The dynamic between OB and Casey is is pretty adorable. It's yeah. just these two nerds, <laughs> you know, ner- nerding out over each other. Um, but again, I'm going to be really interested to see what happens with that guidebook and yeah. what that mean, what it could potentially mean going down the road. Yeah, as you said, they're putting such a big spotlight on it, Shannon. That's uh, astute of you to point out for sure, Mike. Your thoughts on these uh, on these uh, interactions here and. Should we feel uncomfortable that they essentially tortured a person to get information about a person, even though it may save billions of lives, which it kind of doesn't? What did you think about these scenes here in this middle section of the episode? They didn't hurt him. <laughs> what they do to him? They scared him a little bit. A little bit, yeah. They put, they squeezed him. They I squeezed mean, waterboarding him. scares you too. I, I'm just saying. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if they hurt. Waterboarding him. is uh, more like they squeezed him a little bit. It was fine. Okay. They just gave him a hug. They just gave him a little hug. It was fine. Uh, no, these were great scenes. Just because um, it, all of these scenes, as Shannon said, it's all great character building. Yeah. But it's also getting into the bigger themes of this show. I mean, from from the very beginning, the whole concept of a multiverse and the whole concept of the pruning and the whole concept of all of it is, you know, uh, free will versus predestination. I mean, that's what Sylvie and Loki were always fighting about. Like, Sylvie doesn't want to know that her whole life was mapped out or the mm. people controlling stuff. Like, that's why she wanted he who remains out of there. And now they sort of all have free will with timelines going everywhere but there's the threat of more kangs coming in and like there's just there's all these interesting things so brad comes in in the interrogation room and he's like look none of this matters none of this is real i'm gonna go live my life you guys said that we were all variants why don't you let me go live my life and then hey mobius why don't you go live your life like there's all of these ideas and then at the core of all of this is taking one of marvel's biggest villains and making them the hero of his own show so having a character be like you don't belong here as the hero you're the bad guy and you lose. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, so all of these ideas of what the DNA of the show is kind of being voiced by the characters yeah. in a super fun scene where we're getting information to move the plot forward is really, really interesting. Um, in addition to everything Shannon said, I just think seeing Loki in an, an interrogation scene, you know, just calls back to Loki and uh, Scarlett Johansson in the first Avengers movie where mm. she was interrogating him, you know, but like uh, now he's on the other side of the glass, you know, he's on, he's on the side of the heroes. So I thought that was really, really interesting. Um, the whole scene with Mobius and Loki having the pie, again, it's just, we're really taking, like, look, I really enjoyed Ahsoka, but one of the critiques that I had of Ahsoka and that a lot of people had of Ahsoka is like, the characters didn't really say, there was a lot of stoically standing around and saying, Hey, we've had problems in the past. And then let's wait till episode eight to find out what those problems were. And here it's episode two, like for Mobius to be like, look, man. If my life is shitty, that's good. But if it's good, that's bad. Like, I don't, 
I don't want to know that my life out there is better than my life here and I'm comfortable and I don't, I'm scared. And, and we know that that's coming mm-hmm. and that Loki is like, Hey, I, I listen, you lost it in there. I lost it, man. Remember the Avengers? I went a little cuckoo crazy. I invaded New York with aliens. It was rough, man. I get it. Like just having the two people just have this nice extended scene talking about who they are, what they're worried about, what could have been all these things. It's like, this is, this is what makes you just love characters. Yeah. And they're really doing a great job making us fall in love with everybody. And then equally like watching OB and Casey fall in love with each other uh, <laughs> makes us fall in love with them. Cause Shannon's right. It's two nerds nerding out. I've yeah. seen a theory going around on Twitter and some other places that, that OB is literally just a variant of data from Goonies that got pruned. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I'm subscribing to it. That is now when I watch this show, this is, this is a data variant and they pruned him off the timeline and put him in the TVA because he's just, he's got, he's just tinkering all day, building shit. And he's just generally in a good mood. Like the world could be the, the in multiverse could be ending. And he's kind of like, Oh, Hey, nice to meet a fan. Oh yeah. How you doing? Like he, like it is a Kihi Kwan's performance is yeah. just a plus across the board. Like if he doesn't win a goddamn Emmy, I mean, <laughs> I fucking love it. Um, and then yes, this reveal that like Miss Minutes is the one that usually keeps every like like we knew at the end of last season when Miss Minutes showed up in Rensselaer's office and said, "Hey, someone wants to talk to you." And then the fact that Miss Minutes was in the castle at the end of time with right. he who remains. Yeah. But now, like in these past two episodes, we, Miss Minutes basically was running the TVA. Seems like Like, Miss Minutes was handling everything. So they've really uh, will absolutely get more Tara strong this season, but they've really turned Miss Minutes into a much more interesting character than I ever would have thought they could have. And the fact that a little orange animated clock uh, that we're giving this much time to talking about her, you got to give them credit. Like it's Mm. like so fucking comic book weird. Um, And then yes, the scene with the final interrogation scene, Pure Loki, just like Shannon yeah. said. Uh, just getting to see Loki cut loose in a very Loki way as he just fucks with Brad. And you're like, you're 90% sure that this is like, yes, this is what he and Mobius have planned out. And this is all the thing. And it's a whole, but like, there's a couple moments in there where you're like, yeah, hey, I mean, you are Loki. Maybe you just squish <laughs> this motherfucker. I don't know. So um, it was, it was all just great acting, great character work, great writing and just sort of like kept upping the stakes for everything. Like it was just, uh, this was the part where I was like, fuck man, I am enjoying the fuck out of this show. Yeah. I have to, I agree with both you guys. Yeah. I, just the conversations, uh, Shannon, you know, I, I may not act anymore uh, on camera or, any, or on stage or anything like that, but when you see a great scene that's so well written, those actor things come inside of you and you go, Oh man, I would love to play this as you mentioned earlier play a scene like this and and i love the direction here for rafael casal he is not like intimidated and like unsettled trying to figure this out all scared and shit no he is defiant to the end sarcastic digging at them he has no fear here and i love that as a character trait until of course 
he's put like a yogi into a plastic box there and he has to send, give up all the information there or else he's going to get crushed because Loki finally crosses that line. Because I also love that Raphael, or sorry, Brad Wolf changes his mind as soon as Loki pulls out the controller. Hey, you know that stuff I said back there about your mom? I didn't really kind of mean that necessarily. So he got it, just the switches in the the changes in who's on top and who's on the bottom, to use a, a Guffman quote there, is really fun to see in both of these uh, uh, torture scenes or in, um, in, inquiring scenes between them. Uh, I, I enjoyed that as well. And yes, the scene between them eating the pie, that's just making you settle in to two really damn good actors who understand what they're doing with these characters now and understand what the magic is of their chemistry. Because I wonder if all of that was scripted or if some of it was a little bit um, uh, improvised in certain moments. I'm not sure how I feel about Loki just kind of tossing away Avengers as something he just kind of lost it in. Uh, it seems a little bit uh, retrofitting something so he doesn't seem so bad. But, you know, the, the show kind of, it's kind of earned that moment for me and it's not a big deal. But I did have a little bit of like, eh, you did a little bit more than lose it, to be honest with you. But all right, fine. We'll, we'll let that uh, let that go because he's he's trying to connect with his bud. But I love this storyline, this subplot here that that Mobius does not want to know what his life was in the past. What is that all about? So I'm so curious to see how that's going to um, play out and how that's going to pay off for that character when we finally find out whatever it is that 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 is that is keeping him from there because it is pretty simple to be like well i don't want to go back and see the life i was taken from if it was a great life because then i'll feel terrible about it um or if there's something back there that he instinctively is unsettled by that he doesn't want to confront you know and i, I like that that mystery is there with all with all of that and uh, yeah it definitely enjoyed ob and uh and uh um uh, Casey getting together here. This is some great stuff, great interactions. And B-15 essentially having to shepherd two different couples, two different bromances happening in two separate sections of this show I thought was hilarious and interesting situation for uh, to be in as well. Um, but can we can we yeah. talk about that real quick? How you were talking yeah. about with uh, L- Loki being like, ah, oh, I just kind of lost it. Yeah, like, yeah, with Avengers, yeah. So this version of Loki, like that was – that was the last thing he did on his timeline was he gets good point. He gets taken capture. He tries this thing. Right. It doesn't work. Right. He gets, he gets taken capture and he manages to escape. Think about what that guy has gone through. Like he's literally seen the person that writes time. Mm. So in retrospect yeah. at the time, like when he wanted to rule earth, that seems quaint now yeah. with the guy that he has come up against and knowing that that guy, that there are, far worse versions of him out there and they're coming you know they're, they're coming to town yeah yeah well also that is, that is true that's a good point but also i don't think he was trying to minimize what he did like loki's a god like he doesn't think like he it's not like he was like hey it wasn't that bad i just kind of lost it a little bit like he was saying hey man yeah Sometimes you don't act rationally. Like I was so jealous of my dad and my uh, brother. I mean, I fucking attacked New York and I tried to kill Tony Stark. Like, it sounds like you're retrofitting it now. You see <laughs> what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, I kind of lost it a little bit. It sounds like you're kind of under underplaying it a little. I bit. don't think that it's underplaying so much as it like informs who Loki is. Like, I don't mm. think Loki. Like Loki's like we love Loki and he yeah. is stepping into a more heroic role, but. I don't think that Loki's the guy that we want to see go. Like, I don't need to have Loki go through some kind of like catharsis where mm. he's like, I really realize how wrong I was. And 
I want to change. Like Loki's the god of mischief. Loki's like, yeah, you know, I attacked New York and uh, I threw Tony Stark out a window. I, I probably just should have just stabbed him. Or like, I don't know. Like it was kind of stupid, but like I, he survived. I actually, he survived. <laughs> it's you know, to me, it's like it's sort of like Greek mythology. Like it's like oh. you know, Zeus in Greek mythology. Ooh. If he's in a bar trying to commiserate with someone, it's yeah, you know, sometimes. Sometimes I turn into a horse and I fuck ladies. It's a weird little thing I've got. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. It's a thing that I just do sometimes. Like it, he's it like the the world of a god is a different world. So for Loki, so. he's like, you know, you lost it in a room. I attacked New York with an army of Chitari. We both have our little quirks sometimes when we get a little hot under the collar, man. Like to me, that's just that informs who he is as a human, yeah, as a god, it, as a demigod. It, it, uh, as you said, Mike, maybe it's a perspective thing. Like to him, punching someone in the mouth for a human is the same as him trying to take yeah. over New York. It's that kind of level yeah, of uh, yeah, trying to take over a city. Yeah, we all have our bad days. It's true. This god, or as Hulk would say, this puny guy. Um, all right, let's uh, let's take a break, and we'll get into the last section of the episode here and break that down uh, right after this. It's it's too high. It's too high. It's it's too high. My voice is still wrecked. Uh, what's that mean? Too high? Uh, it's too high. All right, let's move on to the last section here. Oh, major league, Johnny. Yes, Thank you, bud. Thank you for getting that. Uh, we end up in Broxton, Oklahoma in 1982 with the McDonald's from the last episode. Now, just let you a little background here. In Marvel Comics, Broxton became Asgard's new home following the events of Ragnarok, and they have a major role. The city has a major role in the Siege storyline, which puts Loki's villainous schemes front and center. It was also the beginning of a major redemptive arc for Loki in the current comics, so clearly mirroring what has happened before and currently in the comics they're using. I believe Bobby. it's also where Lady Loki just first popped up. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense, having Sylvie there even more. Uh, no, no, Sylvie... Well, Sylvie, well, so, hold on, just to be clear, okay, so everybody sure, doesn't know me in the comics. Yeah, uh, I think Sylvie as a character did show up in Broxton, but I think that arc is also where Loki just decided to be a chick for a while. Oh, and for I a see, long time in the comics, like main Loki was a girl. Gotcha. And I believe that's around the time that that happened. So a lot of the stuff that led to this version of loki and sylvie uh got its starts in that era of thor oh okay all right cool thanks for clarifying that up mike uh well sylvie is working the counter here at this mcdonald's loki sees her uh and she does not look happy um and their connection i, I put the music cue here is fantastic with them coming together to talk and then mobius maybe uh, breaking a little bit of the tension says he wants some of that apple pie. My mouth begins to uh, wet there. I listen to that. Uh, and they talk outside on her break. He tells her that he has been pulled through time and he saw Sylvie in the future with the TVA in danger and he needs to know why. She says she's not going back, not going back to the TVA. She's happy where she's at. She does not want to help. But he said, but he says this happiness that you have will be no more if you don't help. Mobius and Brad have a funny exchange back in the McDonald's as they watch them talk and they're talking about Zaniac and we get the actor like, you don't understand my movie. It's elevated thriller. I, I'm not going to get your free tickets and talking about cinema, which has to be a shot at Scorsese. Sylvie uh, scans. <laughs> I just feel like it is. Sylvie, uh, Sylvie uh, scans Brad. Uh, uh, sorry. Sylvie scans Brad and sees that Docs is going to bomb all the branches because Brad comes out with some information here. He doesn't want to necessarily surrender it, so Sylvie gets the information from him. Uh, Brad is shot back to the B-15, at uh, to B-15 at the TVA. 
Loki, Mobius, and Sylvie show up where Dox is, General Dox is, uh, and they see that they are killing billions of people by going through these time doors and bombing all these strands uh, from the main timeline. They attack them to stop uh, the central control panel there. This is a truly unsettling scene, I put, watching these people willfully killing billions because they think they're doing the right thing. Loki and Sylvie come together and blast all the people on the doors, but a few did escape, which we hear as a throwaway line. So there are still other members of General Dox's crew who managed to get away from all of this. They head back to the TVA with Sylvie to see all the dead branches that Dox has pruned. This is truly a heart-stopping moment. Casey gets a hit on Renslayer's tempad there. Sylvie scolds Loki about this being the best they can do and says the problem is the TVA. It's broken. It's rotten. She takes off back through a time door to her McDonald's reality. She's sitting on her truck looking at the stars and has a pleasant exchange with Jack as she as she tell, asks about his mom. She's picking it up. And then he she turns on that amulet there and we go to black. So, Michael, a lot here. We finally see Sylvie in the show fully. Of course, we saw her just a glimpse of her last episode this is a much more fuller time with her we find out what's going on she's in mcdonald's she's happy she's away from all this shit she doesn't want to see him she confirms that he is the last person she wants to see but he is trying to get her to understand what's going on here and it leads to all of this stuff happening with general docs and we find out the bombing of these branches and then at the end there she's just looking at the stars wondering what role she's going to play next in all of this what are your thoughts on this uh, final section of the show here I think what's, I mean, what's great about it is like, so Sylvia's perspective is pretty clear. Mm. There was a guy at the end of time that was controlling everybody and didn't give them free will. She killed that guy. Yes. Everybody has free will now. End of story. I'm going to go live in McDonald's and live out my days. Like <laughs> I have solved this problem. And then Loki comes in and, oh, I saw you in the future and there's this thing and the TVA is in danger and you don't understand. But like, she doesn't really believe it. Like Loki, yeah. when he who remains was like, if you kill me, this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Then he went back to the TVA and he saw some things that for him confirmed, oh, what we know to be true, there's a bunch of Kangs coming and they're all worse than the guy that was at the end of time. So his information that he has and the information that Sylvie has are not the same information. So he's like, Hey, it's dangerous. It's this, it's bad. And she's like, no, it's not. It sounds like free will. People (laughs) have free will. Get the fuck out of my face. And then when Mm -hmm. Brad shows up and is like, Oh no, wait, we got to get out of here. And she's like, hold on. And it's docs to Sylvie. The problem is not that there's a council of Kangs coming. Yeah. The problem is a bunch of assholes in the TVA aren't letting the timeline be its thing. So whatever she's planning, like she doesn't, she's in a very different space than Loki is. So the two of them are like, Loki's like the TVA is the only thing that's going to prevent this, the bunch of Kangs coming. Sylvie's like, no, the TVA is fucked. And maybe I should do something to it. Like, so you're setting the two of them up in a really, really interesting way. Mm-hmm. And additionally, even though you already said it, like the the Brad Mobius scene oh my God. of them talking about his movie on both sides was like Owen Wilson be like, no, man, I want to see it. I want to see it. It looks so good. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not, I'm not getting you like a pass. Like you have to buy a <laughs> ticket. He's like, I'll buy a ticket. Like I'll do it. Like it was just just like perf in the middle of like this whole Ugh. sort of debate about free will yeah. between two gods happening in the parking lot. <laughs> these two assholes talking about the fucking Zaniac movie. Like that's, what's making this show great. It, 
it really knows what it wants to talk about, but it's not afraid to take these really funny sort of uh, subversively odd detours. And it's just the whole, the whole combination of it feels very unique and very fulfilling. Um, I do think, you know, and kind of, I'm sure I'll let Shannon speak to this more eloquently than I can, but I did think like the action sequence when they got to docs and everybody, like it was cool. I enjoyed it, but it did feel a little bit, uh, it got the job done. Oh yeah. It it didn't, it didn't blow me away. Like cool stuff. Like, you know, pruning things, Loki throwing the thing and pruning the person as he goes. And then Sylvie and Loki using their powers together, like all was cool, but it didn't, that sequence itself. Like it was like, I think part of it was just like, they were running out of time. There wasn't a lot of time left in the episode, but it didn't, it wasn't the set piece that it probably could have been. Yeah. But I agree what I find. And and this is where I think the show has done a really great 180 in season one. Everyone in the TVA was pruning the timeline. Yeah, true. So right. Everybody in the TVA was killing billions of people, billions of people. Yeah. Every day for their job. Yeah. Yeah. And we were like, cool. That's what the TVA does. Can't have all those timelines. And now to have docs and her people do the exact thing that was happening in season one and have everybody in the TVA watching it happen and have us watching it happen and go, man, that's fucking horrible. Like that's a really good job in storytelling to have us go on this exact same journey that B-15 and the rest of the TVA is doing and going, whoa, this thing that we thought was normal for an entire season of television, we have now sort of redefined what's happening and redefined the stakes to it. And now we all feel differently about it. That's really, really cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Shannon, your thoughts here on these final sections and the interactions here with Sylvie and Loki, and then, of course, what it leads to there with the Doc's situation, and then finally at the end. I mean, that uh, really just heart-stopping moment of them all just staring and witnessing the death of all these timelines and the billions of people, and then also, as Michael said, grasping the reality as it like having eaten the apple in the Garden of Eden, they realize now, like, oh, my God, we've been naked. We've been doing this the whole time without knowing we were doing this the whole time. What are your thoughts here on this final section of the show? I mean, the Loki Sylvie scene that everyone has had that experience when you run into an ex <laughs> after a little bit of time has passed yeah. and how for one, one party um, <laughs> you, you are focusing, you are focusing on what is happening now. And the other party is focusing on what has happened before. Hmm. And they both, have a case to be correct. Um, Loki's is is about you know the fabric of time, yeah. and Sylvie's is hey man, we had an agreement, we had a deal, we were gonna do this thing together to set everybody free, and you backed out. Yeah. So even though I kissed you and I was really sad about this, I've had time to think about how you you reneged on our deal, and now I'm pissed. Yeah. Um. So and it's sort of like. I did the thing that that I thought we were going to do together. Like, let's just let it be. So I thought just back and forth. Um, Sophia De Martino and Tom Hiddleston both just did really, really nice work. I mean, a- again, the, the whole X thing that you, you run into the person who meant so much to you at one point and they are just washing their hands. They're done with you. I mean, it's yeah. one of the it's one of the saddest things to to witness um, concurrently. Brad and Mobius <laughs> t- talking about apple pie and movie tickets. I mean, it's just really, really funny. And that slow realization by Owen Wilson, you know, wow, I thought this was going to be a trap. Yeah. I thought you were setting us up. And then, like, 
wait, are you setting this? <laughs> like it was just so, so funny. Um, getting to the action sequence. Yeah. V Vogel's right. I mean, this was a very, this was a very pedestrian action yeah. sequence. Like this is not the type of set piece you would probably see in a Marvel film, but it's a, we have six episodes. We have this much money. What can we do? The like, it's cool watching him, you know, throw the stick and, you know, watching uh, uh, Sylvie cut guys down. The the thing that was the most effective is when they decide to work together and they hold hands. Yeah. They combine their powers and literally zap everything, which is what they probably could have done at the beginning. But that's not something Sylvie probably wants to do. Like, no, I don't I I don't want to work with you. Um, so that was just it, you you definitely see the opportunities that could have been there, especially with the time doors and everything that they didn't probably just didn't have the the room in their schedule and they didn't have the room in their budget. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, like th this and the chase at the at the beginning. Ultimately, when you think about the Disney Plus series, the Marvel series specifically and the action sequences like each season, there's one or two real good ones yeah um and then there's a bunch of ones that happen and they're like they're fine um and you know we're two episodes in so more than likely and we haven't met you know we have we haven't seen miss minutes and we haven't seen kang or victor timely or whoever is going to show up yeah. so those those sequences are probably coming but ultimately loki's not a big action show i mean it is a it is a character-based show i mean it, it's it's a character drama that is uh, taking place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. Um, the moment, because when you think about the end of season one, as the timeline was sort of branching, 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 you hear all the alarms going off, you're watching the branches form all, you know, off the sacred timeline, not just on the monitor, but where at by the Citadel at the end of time. Yeah. So this is sort of the, the inverse of that. We're watching them kind of recede. So for me, emotionally, it didn't quite get there because watching the watching the branches disappear on the monitor wasn't quite enough for me and i know we're not going to go to a bunch of different worlds and watch them just black out but i do think visually there was something they could have there was something oh, really? they could have okay. done okay. to 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 really kind of deliver deliver that final sort of emotional blow i mean i think the actors the actors did their job i think visually right. it probably needed one more thing to kind of you know push the ball over the goal line hmm. um and then you know that nice kind of sweet scene with sylvie this you know this demigod who's been all through time with this kid who's her boss <laughs> at, at the mcdonald's in broxton oklahoma i mean there's just something very very sweet about yeah. that scene and also kind of frightening because she's thinking this kid this kid has no idea what this kid's worried about right now is when is my mom getting here right and what can i do to make this kid's life better i mean it, there's something really nice about that yeah and the kid probably has one of those teenage crushes on her too because she's an older woman and she's working there with her. Yeah, right you could sense that vibe yeah my mom is coming in just a few minutes <laughs> that old <Gee> <laughs> yeah, exactly. we're not supposed to date co-workers <laughs> Zoinks. so it, it all it all really works uh, and i liked it too but yeah i mean the i think you bring up an excellent point shannon the idea of seeing someone who at a time you had very intense feelings for and then years later or whatever time later you see them again i mean Sylvie's face dropped the second she turned to see Loki and you could tell in the interaction there and she's like you know order something uh because I got it's like well can we talk all right fine I have a break I'm gonna 
put down the flatbed of my truck, make it quick. And she's literally eating out of that styrofoam thing or sipping the, the McDonald's thing. So you see that kind of like simplicity of, as he's talking about this massive thing that's happening. You're seeing also that it's rooted with this simple moments and these things that we've probably experienced ourselves in our lives here. And then, yes, when we're having Brad and uh, uh, Brad and uh, Mobius in there, it's just it's just genius work, just absolute genius work in the back and forth. And remember, Mobius is the one that's kind of like hesitant about everything with his timeline, everything in the past. Uh, uh, um, uh, uh, oh God, uh, uh, sorry. Uh, oh, it goes out of my head sometimes. Sorry, uh, Rafael Casal. Yeah. Uh, he uh, Brad Wolf, he goes in on him and starts asking him all these questions about it. So we're going to find out, I imagine, at some point what the issue is here. Um, but the idea of them having the, and remember, it was um, uh, Mobius in the earlier scene, in the torture scene, who was having this back and forth with Brad Wolf about this whole thing. So Brad is clearly like, there's something else here for you. What are you not seeing? And remember, it was Brad who found the jet ski magazine in the first episode as well, calling Mobius out about this. So I feel like he's a key to all of this at some point in some uh, some way here. But uh, at the end there with her and the, and the amulet, what does that mean? Where is she going to go with this? Is she going to use it? Uh, is she going to play a part in this? So we're left with a little bit of a mystery there. But um, I, I, I don't know if I don't know what more they could have done, Shannon, because for me, that moment really worked. I got emotional seeing um, Wumi Musaka's reaction to really grasping it. And then and Sylvie's reaction, just anger, just absolute anger. You guys messed it up. You guys screwed it up. There's something rotten at the core. And I couldn't help but think that it was a bit of a meta moment when we've had these changes with Marvel TV. And this, it almost could have fit as a Marvel executive saying, you ruined it. You ruined it all. It's just rotten at the core. You got to change it. You got to burn it down and start build it up, build something new all over again. So just kind of interesting moments for me, meta wise, uh, looking at it all. Um, I do want to toss in two quick Easter eggs for you guys. Uh, this is the first one that popped up there in London. That is, uh, there it is. There's the eternal there. Kingo, uh, this is probably Kingo's Shannon's dad. favorite. Shannon's favorite. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That is probably uh, his dad there, uh, or playing. Of course, it's him, but playing his dad, I guess, in essence there. And another one that I think is really interesting that popped up here. Thanks to Screen Rant for these. Uh, this one here uh, is a reference to the Phone Ranger, which is a very obscure Marvel character. Uh, the real name for him is A.G. Bell, which is, of course, in a riff on the inventor Alexander Graham Bell. Uh, and he was a telephone repairman who discovered alien tech giving him access to all communication devices across the world. And he only appeared three times in the entirety of Marvel Comics in 1985, 2006, and 2019. So I thought you guys might get a kick out of seeing those. The phone ranger. (laughs) Three times too many. Three times too many. Uh, he's no condiment man. I know that's DC, but then who is? Um, all right, well, there you go. That's our that's our spoiler review here. Any final words, gentlemen, as we wrap up, or shall we just get on out of here? I mean, look, like you know, like, like as we were saying, you know, I mean, like an action sequence here could be stronger. This moment mm. might have been better, but all in all, uh, I think they're really killing it with this show. I think this is yeah. a Again, like we'll see where the whole six episodes go. I don't know if this is the show that like, you know, writes the ship for Marvel, but I will say this show is giving me an excitement about what's going on in the Marvel universe that I haven't had in quite some time. Well, that's great. Shannon, any final words from you? 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, at a time when we're sort of craving the days of Marvel's past, I mean, mm. the, the strongest the strongest advocate right now is is Loki. I yeah. mean, this is a guy who was in all three all three phases, played a significant role, and there is something poetic if uh, if this is the show that writes the ship big if but if if the show if this is the one that does it the fact that loki was the one who fixed everything is pretty funny <laughs> yeah i know it, and it feels odd that people some people just don't get it tell the singular insular story and then just have occasional things that connect up to the grander universe like the easter eggs like mentioning frigga those are things that are fun to do but in a show in a show like this it's smart to stay with the insular story and have the references, but not dive into having to tie everything up. Except like, that what's kind of fascinating, I, like yeah. in general, I, I think everything you just said is hundred percent true. Right. What is fascinating about Loki is of anything. Yeah. It is the show that is straight up dealing the most good point. with yeah. the bigger yeah. saga. Like we are in the multiverse saga. Right. Right. This is a show where all we're doing each week is talking about pruning the multiverse, multiverse, the end of the multiverse. He who remains, who killed everybody, and if he's gone, this, this all these other Kangs are going to show up. Like this is definitively the most specifically about the bigger story, and yet out of all the stuff that's been going on, it feels the most like it's telling its own specific yeah. story about these characters. And so you're right. And everything you said is correct. And that is the lesson. But the fact that Loki is kind of doing both at the same time yeah. and doing it. So like I, by the time we got to like multiverse of madness and quantum mania, I was kind of like, man, I don't know. Let's just get to secret <laughs> wars. I come on, man. I don't Where's know. Where's my temp pad? Let me get to this. Future. But, <laughs> but, but I, I'm now like I'm now reinvested yeah. in He Who Remains and the Council of Kangs and what's really going on and what role is the TVA going to play? Like I'm I'm so much more intrigued now after just two episodes than I have been in months. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that completely. Um, all right, well there you go. That's our spoiler review for episode two, season two of Loki: Breaking Bad. Thank you all so much for joining us, uh, Shannon. What do we have to tell? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies on Instagram, the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MK Tune. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. Mikey? Well, if you like geeking out as much as you like classic McDonald's apple pie, then this is the place for you. And here is what you can do to help us keep doing what we do. Smash that like button below. Subscribe to Johnny's Outlaw Nation page. Check out all the amazing content there. Leave your comments below. What do you think of Loki season two so far? What do you love? What do you hate? Where do you think things are going? What's going to happen to the TVA? Let us know what you think below. If you're listening to us on a podcast, go ahead and leave us some stars and some comments so we go up in the rankings and more people can find us. And as always, the best thing that you guys can do is retweet this video post it on your socials send it to your friends and tell them to hang out with your buddies the geek buddies there you go and of course don't forget about our main show coming up sometime this weekend we appreciate you all madly hanging out with us for this spoiler review and we'll be doing each one of these episodes going forward here on the geek buddies <gasps> hey!
every five minutes. A transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler, with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.